There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He goes, if he has autism, like maybe he shouldn't be in this environment. I was snapping, like. She is not interested in meeting with the opposition and she is hiding from the issue. So important that people are critical of what they see online and check people's credentials. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I was in uh, North last night. I drove up with uh, Young Lad. We were invited um, to musical neighborhoods. They had an event on in the library in Holly Hill last night. And I knew about the various elements of musical neighborhoods. We talked about the various elements of musical neighborhoods on the show over the last couple of years. But I never realized just how much is going on and just how much magic is being created in the community up there by the various elements of musical neighbourhoods. And if you had anything to do, if you were remotely connected, if you even know people who were involved in last night's event in Holly Hill, let me tell you that you've got something very, very special going on. If you were there, you were there. If you're involved with any one of the groups that contributed to it, you know what I'm talking about. But it's something of which... Uh, Holly Hill, Nakahini, and in particular my good friend Gary McCarthy and the Cabin Studios should be extraordinarily proud of what has been achieved. I might talk more about it during the morning, but it was just a lovely, lovely, lovely thing to go to. And thank you ever so much to Marta, who is my boy's key worker in practice. Uh, down where he goes uh, by day on Monaghan Road uh, who gave us an invitation to be there and it was just mind-blowing stuff mind-blowing stuff a room full of joy sheer and utter and absolute joy that is just one way I wanted I wanted to get out of the way this morning because there's a lot to do a lot to do on the programme I don't know if you've seen... Good morning, by the way. Oh, wait, one 96, 96, 96, the number. I don't know if you saw or have seen... I saw two episodes last night of the Harry and Meghan story. Your thoughts are welcome. I have my own. I may or may not share them with you. Um, uh, we'll talk to Shirley Donovan about it in a little while. There were three episodes dropped yesterday morning at 8 a.m., 
I, my, my plan was to watch them all for today. I've only seen the first two. Busy day yesterday. There's three more to come, I think, in, in another few days. And your thoughts are, are welcome. It's, it's their story told their way in their words with their editorial content and their editorial control and their version of events. Uh, that's I don't know what you thought of it. Oh, the there's a yeah. If anybody knows anything about that firebomb or what looks to have been a firebomb in Balivalan last night, it was a. I got a call last night about it to tell me that it had happened uh, when you're you know when you're working on a story like this in a newsroom or on a program like this you know more than you can tell you're told more than you can say and we're just trying to put a little bit of meat on the bones as to what exactly happened and what it was all about and and who was targeted and what went on do you live near where this happened? Do you know anything about it? Even tell us something that we can't use because it's trying to find that these are bizarre, frightening, terrifying things. Imagine being in a, try, putting a couple of kids to bed across the road from that. And before you know it, you're out on a freezing cold night looking at your neighbor's house and there's been a firebomb. And you don't know why and you don't know what. And they're frightened and you're frightened and the children are frightened. And you're wondering what the heck is going on here. Uh, if anybody knows anything, they can certain, certainly tell us. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Uh, I did get a version of events on the phone last night. Uh, not in, at liberty to say from whom. But I did get a certain version of events on the phone last night. I cannot verify any of it. So therefore I cannot say it. But if anybody comes on the phone with the same version of events as I have, I'll certainly be able to go with that. But I would love to know what happened. It's it's not something that um, it's not something that you go to kind of you finish your dinner and you sit down to watch an episode of Harry and Meghan and and you don't expect your neighbour's house across the road to be to be fur bombed. Anyway, we'll come back to it if if anybody has anything to offer, Shirley. Uh, you you sat down to watch it. Did you see all three of them? I got halfway through the second one and it was just getting too late for me. But is it as big as the hype? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, absolutely not. I watched all three last night. Um, I think, you know, I was kind of surprised at how uh, softly, softly it is. I mean, we had no real bombshells, no kind of direct hits on anybody in the royal family. We didn't learn anything that we didn't already know. It kind of came across to me as a little bit of a love letter to themselves. Oh my goodness, you're exactly the same as I was thinking. You know, I think they sort of, obviously the Oprah Winfrey interview was a major publicity error on their part. And I think they have taken the opportunity here to create a feature length band-aid uh, to plaster over the cracks that were created by Oprah and they're taking the opportunity. And look, why shouldn't they tell their own story? Everybody else is making money off them. But I think it's this, you know, you have us all wrong approach is what they're taking and they're using it as this big kind of love letter. You know, mm, look how amazing we are. Interesting take on it. The the Look, the Oprah interview was, was a bombshell. Do you think they regret that interview now? Um, 
Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I think in some ways they do, but I also think it sort of furthers the narrative of we did this in, in good faith and look what the media turned it into. It kind of cements their notion that they're fully under attack, which I mean, look, we've seen it time and again in the royal family, like people are under attack and they're under intense media scrutiny scrutiny as well you know so in some ways I think behind closed doors they might regret it because I think they were a bit naive going into it as to the things that they were planning to say and the repercussions of that but then I think it just confirmed they were able to publicly confirm of look no matter what we say we're, we're never going to be right. Mm. You see there's a thing in, in, in the world now Sherry and I'm sure you've heard of it like there's, there's no true thing as right and wrong anymore there's no black and white anymore there's your truth and my truth your version and mm. my version this is their version it is a kind of a, an open goal really because the royal family don't respond to stuff like this so they can kind of say what they want really They can but you know so far and in the first three episodes we haven't seen them really criticise the royal family. They've been a few little underhanded digs but nothing direct and they are mainly focusing here in the first three episodes on criticising the media and the, the kind of pressure that the media are putting them under. They're not saying that the royal family are doing this to them or the royal family have done that to them. I mean, I do, I do think Harry, you know, he did make a comment that uh, the men in the royal family tend to marry women who fit the mould mm. and that he had opted not to do that. And that was, I think, a kind of an underhanded dig at probably William and Kate to a certain degree, mm. I, which I, the media are going to love. I did feel sorry for them on one element, that when they met, and they met, look, if you're to believe, I, I'm, I'm not going to buy this um, Shirley, no one is going to make me buy this that she didn't know who he was. Never going to buy it. No, absolutely not. He's, no, a member, no. he's a member of a family that are the biggest celebrities on the planet. And she didn't know who he was. Never going to buy that as long as I live. Uh, no, and, and that's, no. And, and I, like, I felt sorry for them, though, that when they did meet uh, and they did realise there's something here, I felt sorry for them that they had to sneak around so much. Sorry yeah, I mean, and I think she probably didn't realise, I mean, obviously she knew who he was, but I don't think she realised once it got out there that from the get-go, everything would become, ma- like she would be under the microscope she, uh, as much mm. as she was. I think she thought, like, you see some footage of her on the street the day after and the press are speaking to her and she's like, oh, hi, you know, she's saying hi to them, she's saying, you know, smiling. And the first thing he said to her when she told him this was, you cannot do that. You cannot respond to them. I think she thought she could win them over. She, she's, a, she, I, she's a professional celebrity, Shirley. She has been all her mm. life. Her career as an actor makes her, makes her a celebrity. She understands how the papers work. She understands how the paparazzi work. And she always did. So she can't play... As far as I'm concerned, anyway, she can't play the innocent and say, oh, I didn't know there was going to be so much media. Well, I was watching, when I was watching last night, the kind of, the first, one of the thoughts that I had was, if the British tabloid press and media had embraced her and made her the celebrity and elevated her to the celebrity status that she wanted, she would have been quite happy to go along and be a fully working member of the royal family. I think this this road they've gone down is because she hasn't been embraced. So 
I think she, I could see her being quite happy if she had been welcomed with open arms because at the beginning they were quite happy to do everything when she, when they were in inverted commas in favour. Mm, yeah, there there hasn't been too much of a race card yet, has there? The, the race hasn't come into it just yet. At least not in what I've seen. No, nothing, nothing yet, and. Who knows what we'll see in the next three episodes, but I think they also are dancing around things. They're they're tipping off it, but they're not diving into it. And I think that is because of what came out after the Oprah interview when they, they had that bombshell about uh, the whole thing of Archie's uh, skin colour or what have you. And I think they're approaching it in a softly, softly way yeah. this time. That's not to say that it won't uh, explode yeah. next week, but... Yeah. I like, think it, this is more, it seems to be more of a PR thing than a, than a here's the truth. Yeah, yeah. So, now, to be fair, you and I and anyone with two sets of functioning eyes would have been able to see that there was a lot of racist jokes and racist memes going around after Archie was born. Some of it was quite disgusting, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Some of it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't see it in any responsible reporting of that in the storm, you know? No, and look, it's like anything, like the internet is a dark place. And if you want to find, you know, if you can find whatever you want to. But at the same time, we have no idea what she went through behind closed doors from that point of view, from the race, you know, her her race and her ethnicity being questioned or being, you know, her being treated differently because of that. And we have no idea, you know, what was going on. But at the same time, I think they're they're holding back a little bit on this and they're really mm. pushing the narrative of what happened to Diana. He was He's trying to protect his family from this. And you can't, yeah. he has a lot of trauma from that as well, he you does. know. He does, he does. And, and looking back on that, like himself and William as two small boys, what they were subjected to, not by the media, what they were subjected to by the royal family, the way they had to mourn their beloved mammy in private, was horrible. Mm-hmm. And it was the family did that to them, not the media. The firm exactly. made I- them walk behind her coffin. They didn't have to do that. And I think, you know, Harry is in the position where as as William and Kate's family grew, he moved further down the line of succession. So he is able to sort of speak out. I mean, William, like the family don't speak out and William and Kate will never be able never. to speak out never. to this. So he's kind of using that to his, Harry can use that to his own advantage. Do you think he resents his brother a bit? Oh, I think he's sad that... I think he's sad that things have gone the way they've gone. I mean, nobody in any family could be happy that the family is fractured the way it is. But I think he's sort of, all he's trying to do is protect his family in the only way he knows how, which is by publicly speaking. I think the main conflict that the public have is that these are two people who requested privacy, who wanted to live a life away from yeah. the royals, who wanted the media to leave them alone, and now are using a massive ninety million pound Netflix deal and a massive publicity campaign yes. to tell their story. Yes. And I think it, that's not race. That's not, you know, anything other than people being frustrated with you said you wanted this, and yes. now you're doing this. Yes, yes. I mean, initially. And I remember it very well. And I remember commenting about it here. When I saw her arriving into the royal machine, as it were, I thought, here's a breath of fresh air who's always smiling, 
who's always and uh-huh. seems to be in, in good form. I thought their wedding was one of the most wonderful things I sat and watched. I really enjoyed watching their wedding on the television. We haven't seen yet, have we, Shirley? There was a turning point, wasn't there? Uh, where she they fell out of love with her. The media fell out of love with her. Or some of them did anyway. Well, I think, she, I, I think like at the wedding, everything, all of the press was very, very positive um, for a very long time. It, like the wedding was hugely successful. I think um, there are there are always elements of the media that are, are looking to weed out uh, sensational stories. Like we've seen this. We had Diana and Fergie back in the day and Sarah Ferguson was vilified in the press for everything she did. So this That's is right. not new. And the British tabloid media are so toxic, they will find anything. But once, I think once they sort of refused to perform, you yes. know, when they were, uh, they were, they did their duties, but once they had decided not to perform outside of their duties, they fell out of favour with the press and the tide turned on them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And, and, and I, I don't believe that had anything to do with, with race. It had to do with their, with their independence. They, they wanted to be independent within the firm, as that's called. And did the press turn on them for that possibly? Yeah, Shirley, three more episodes. When are we getting them? When are we getting the next three? We're getting them next Thursday, uh, the final three episodes. So I think there's a lot still to be told yes. because we are now moving towards the stage of the story where they are, um, the tide has turned and things have changed. So I think they're saving that for the last three episodes. Yeah. Uh, but are I you think thinking that think we're left with the same. The way they were dropped, the way the episodes were dropped, three and three, do you think, because I do, do you think there's an element of, right, get them watching and then we'll drop the real bombshells? In episodes five and six. Yeah, because this is unusual for Netflix to not, you either drop it week by week or you drop it all in one go. Half and half is a bit unusual. But I mean, look, at the end of the day, we're going to be left with the same story we always knew. And I think the only real winner in all of this is Netflix. You're dead right. You're dead right. Thank you very much, Shirley. Hold on a second. Uh, Aaron is there. Aaron, hi. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. You're watching. I am, yeah. I watched, I'm on the last episode. I'm on episode three. Right. What did you make of it so far? Yeah, I try to keep an open mind, but I just feel like they're acting. Like, Mm. it's not coming across genuine. Like, some parts are, some parts aren't. And obviously, as you said, like, it's their story. Mm. But, like, as being hounded by the press, um... Kate Middleton was the same for years and years. Like, she got slated. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Look, you mentioned acting. I mean, Megan is an actress. She is, yeah. And she just, I don't know, she just, to me, she doesn't come across as genuine. And I'm trying to keep, like, an open book and not just go by what the press says. I just can't warm to her. Is it hard? And I was watching it kind of with this in mind, that... She knows, because she's trained as a professional, how to talk to a camera. She knows how to behave in front of a camera. So whatever she wants to portray into that camera, she can portray, because it's her profession. Does that make it harder to see her as genuine, do you think? Yes, yeah, definitely. You don't know when she's genuine, when she's not, like? No, you don't. Yeah. You don't, and like they're saying that they want privacy, but yes, they've done all this. Yes. So they can't, they can't have their cake and eat it. Yes. Do you get me? 
I do. I do. There's very much there's very much a sense of that around it. Do you do you keep an eye on royal things, Erin, or is it just this particular? No, no. Stuff? no. I I, mu- I must say now, and if I had asked myself this twenty years ago, I would have said no. But I think since I became around eighteen, nineteen, I have a huge interest in the royal family. Yeah, did she make? Because I, I thought she made more people interested in the royal family, people who'd never taken a notion, a notion of interest before. When she came into the scene in twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, a lot of people took an interest for the first time. Would you be among them? No. 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 Yeah. No. No. I think I don't know. Like I said, I don't know because if Trisha was around. In my younger days, I would have said some awful things about the royal family back then <laughs> to compare to my upbringing now. I mean, I lost nearly 150 followers when I tweeted about the Queen of England dying. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what you said. Probably best not to repeat it if you lost followers. Um, you know, and like, it was nothing. It was just like, that. yes, of course I will be watching the news. You know, this is a historical event. Yeah, yeah. And bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shirley, the, the, the point that, that, that lastly that Erin is making there about because Megan is, is trained and, and made her living as an actor, it's hard to tell when the emotions are genuine, isn't it, sometimes? I think I think Erin is spot on there. I think when you're watching the pieces to camera of the two of them sitting on the couch, you can see his level of discomfort because this isn't his wheelhouse at all. And you can see her being quite confident and comfortable oh. sitting there and putting her point across. And I think, you know, as Erin said, like they've asked for, for privacy and they're not exactly walking off into the sunset but there is an element of where does this end like are we getting to the end of the six episodes and they do go off into the sunset and focus on their charity work or are we moving on to the release of his book in January and a whole next publicity tour following on from that I know exactly All right, Uh, Aaron thank you and Shirley who've been watching it for us Shirley Donovan thank you very much it's on Netflix at the moment make of it what you will yourself Harry and Meghan it's look it's compelling television I I sat until I got just too tired and got too late and I'll watch the rest of it tonight it's fascinating television and as usual Netflix haven't spared the horses on production value and putting it together but I'd like to know what you think um I would definitely like to know what you think. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Did you watch it? Have you any interest in watching it? Kate says the royals are too constipated. If you looked at Prince Louis at Wimbledon in a shirt when he should have been there in jeans and a hoodie, Harry is well out of it. Uh, and John says a hundred million for the documentary when the UK is in serious trouble to sicken you. Well, it was kind of not the UK had to pay for it, John. It was Netflix. So Netflix can well afford it. But yeah, your point your your, your point is 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 worthwhile. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Have you seen it? What do you think of it? Um, I like her. I have to say, I do. I like her. But I'm not so sh- their behaviour is it grates with me it grates with me particularly when he knows he knew he knew what he was bringing his girlfriend into and he should also have had the brains to know he can't change it that's the bit I don't it doesn't um, sit well with me this idea that he thought he could change it like you want to be thick to think you can change it Santa baby. 
for non-stop Christmas hits. Non-stop Christmas hits. My Christmas present for you. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss. Streaming online now. With Blackpool gift cards. They're the best with so much choice for all the family. Pure shopping. Pure Christmas. Pure Blackpool. Download our app or see 96fm.ie. We can go back to Megan and Harry or anything else you want to, but Gerardine, now there's a lovely name, not Geraldine, Gerardine. You're you're a woman after my own heart. You're so right. <laughs> morning. Good morning. Oh. Tell me, I, I, talk to people about it. Aldi and Lidl, the magazines, sure, you wouldn't set the fire with them because by the time you get there, everything's gone. Isn't that at all, though? No. It's when you queue up, when they advertise something popular and you queue up, maybe... People go down there at half a seven in the morning to queue up for nine if they want something badly. You queue up, you stand in the cold, you get to the door and you go in and, oh, it never came in. Oh, we don't have it. Or they have two and the staff took one, so they've won for about 20 people gathered outside the door. Yes. It's absolutely furiating. Why yeah. do they advertise things if they're not going to have them? Do you get the magazine in the post or does it come in the paper or do you collect it in the shop or where do you oh, get I it? I get to pick it up in the shop when I'm doing my shopping. Yeah. But I, honest to God, it's so maddening. What did you I miss mean, out on lately? Did you miss out on something? Well, the air fryer a couple of weeks ago. Right. Double air fryer. And then yesterday, my children asked me, to, my daughters asked me to go down to get metal detectors because the kids wanted them for Christmas. Yes. And I went down and I queued and I got out and I stood in the cold when I went in, then, no, they didn't come in. No explanation, no nothing. I swear, I it was freezing. It's absolutely ridiculous. It happens with television whenever there's a big thing. Yeah. And then another problem they have is people sit in their cars to queue, and then you come along and you get out, and I stand at the door, and then you get people coming out. And, oh, I was here at half a seven in my car. Oh, sorry, you're not standing at the door. I'm at the door first. Sitting in your car. If, if I have to stand here and freeze, then so do you. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my car with the last 20 minutes while I'm at the door with 10 minutes, so that's not my problem. <laughs> oh, it drives me mad. My brother went down and he queued in outside the door for an air fryer. He was at one shop and I was at another. And this man got out and was very cross with him. He said, I'm in the car over there. And my brother said, if you were queuing to get into a rugby match, we just queue in your car. No, you wouldn't. You'd stand at the door. Sting! <laughs> wow! Cat's claws! I know. Our cat's claws at the ready Imagine, day. imagine standing at the door and people fight over the queue. Mm-hmm. If you're queuing for something, you stand at the door. Yeah. But it's the not having it. And then to tell you, oh, we only got two and one of the staff took one. Yeah. Now, what I've often found with some of them, Geraldine, is that let it all die down for a week or so. And go down when the shop is quiet, and there'll actually be a few more will have come in. Oh yeah, you know there'll be a few more oh, yeah. have come in, and, and and the air fryers, yeah, the um, my local branch in Douglas, they, they they were gone. They didn't even touch the shelves. They were like yeah. whipped out of people's. <laughs> yeah, but that that's fine. If if you want to queue to get something, fair enough. Yeah. I'll queue, yeah. but they must have them when you go in. Yeah. It's not fair to... Ex- I mean, if they see people forming queues at 7 o'clock in the morning or half 7 or quarter to 8, they should come out and say, what are you queuing for? 
sorry, we didn't. They didn't come. Yeah. Don't let people queue until nine o'clock and then come out and say, "Oh, sorry, they didn't come in." But Jerry, you know what's going to happen, don't you? If you go out and you say to people at quarter to nine before the shop is due to open at that, oh, well, they didn't come in. Those twenty people or eighteen of them anyway are going to go home, and you've lost all the other stuff they might buy. Oh, and I was so mad I didn't buy anything. <laughs> I, and I, I come away then and oh it's so mad and it's not fair to the staff that are there because it's not their fault and they're the ones getting the brunt of the of the, of your of you being cross I know and yeah. it's not their fault they're only on the ground they have no say in what it's comes true. in it's very true and, so and you know what that's a nice of you to say because you do see a lot of the ordinary girl or boy at the till getting yeah, getting, getting fleeced by some cranky Devil exactly. who can It's not her fault they didn't nope. come in. Do you know what nope. I mean? It's not no, I mean, there was no point in me saying to the, the young boy that told me yesterday that they didn't come in of me getting cross with him. It's not his fault. I know. Come here, have you ever got a real bargain out of the place, though? Um, I probably did over the years, all right. Yeah. Were you ever in there? Like, were you ever the one that was in first? Oh, no. No. You'd never be in first. No matter what time you go down, there's always someone before. There's always someone there ahead of you, I know. Yeah. Like, and was it the air fryer was the one you were raging out or was there more than that? Well, the air fryer, because I have a single one, but it was a double one for, for under 100 euro. And I mean, that was great value. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Especially now with the price of everything, they're great value, Come here. the air fryers. Yeah, while I have you there, I don't have one of these things. And we, uh, Finn, who's a chef, was on with us a few weeks ago talking about, you know cooking in them and aren't they really as energy efficient as they sound? Well, you're cooking them a lot faster and there's no fat or grease in what you're cooking. So I think that they're healthier, definitely. And uh, like things are cooked a lot faster. I mean, since I got it now, I very rarely use my oven and what you cook in your oven for an hour or an hour and a half is cooked in in 20 minutes. So they have to be. Yeah. Definitely. And like chips, for instance, now I'd given up having chips because I won't use a, I never owned a deep fat fryer because I don't, don't like them. And I know I'm having chips again because really? they're not. Yeah. Because I can't not, stand oven chips. No, I didn't either. Didn't like oven chips. But these, these chips are, they're, they're gorgeous. And Aren't they're they? done in six, 16 minutes. I've never had chips out of an air fryer. Oh, they're gorgeous. And you can cook the ordinary chips in it. Like the frozen chips. I oh, don't buy you? oven chips for it. Right. I put them in and, and you can cook peeled potatoes in them. You can peel your own potatoes and cook them in it. Yeah. Mm. And they're gorgeous. Roast potatoes, everything. They're gorgeous. I see. I see. Yeah. You're, you're, selling them, you're selling them well and so you never got your double one. No, because then you can cook your chips and whatever sets together. But I have to cook them one after the other. And then I have to turn on my oven and keep them warm. <laughs> Like, could you put in, you know, if you want, if you fancied a bit of chicken and, and yeah. some chips, can you put in the chicken breast and the chips together and just let them there? You could if you had two, the double one. But ah. I'd, I'd cook them separately. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're very, very popular. I was in, in Iceland last week, the shop now, not the country, and, and, and they were selling them in there. Yeah. Mm. They're very popular and they're very healthy. I think they're a lot healthier anyway. Fergal says he puts half chickens in his one. I never go that far now. I I, I know you can, but I'd rather cook my chicken. If I had a whole chicken or that, I'd cook it in the oven because I I overcook everything because I'm terrified of not cooking things. I get killed. He says you have to spend a day learning about them, though. 
Oh, you do. You have yeah. to read everything for flip's sake. You have you to read it. Have you ever noticed that about anything to do in the kitchen nowadays, right? I mean, have you... Is there anybody listening and ha, that can understand the clock on an oven? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I won't touch it. I, I, I did that. The, I came downstairs one morning, put in, put in a chicken and set it. And the next thing I came down and I had all the potatoes and everything cooked. The next thing I said, that oven is cold, raw chicken. I know, I know. So I had to go down and get a cooked chicken to go with the dinner that I'd cooked. No, forget <laughs> what, it. What forget it. <laughs> so queuing up, you'll be queuing up again for the double air fries if they come I'm back. Well, in my eyeballs, <laughs> I'm not queuing anymore. They can keep their bargain. <laughs> oh, listen, lovely, lovely call. Lovely call on this cold, bright, beautiful Friday morning. Thanks, Ger, from Ballancolic. I don't have an air fryer. I... Uh, I came in and say, oh, you need to have one, please. You need to try one. You need to try the chips out in air fry. You need to try the chicken out in air fry. They're so much more energy efficient. I don't know. Maybe Santee will bring an air fryer. I don't know. No, I don't want an air fryer for Christmas. I'm just saying. 0818969696. Yeah, and the clocks. There's a thing. And it comes around when the clocks go forward and the clocks go back. You know, your phone does it by magic. You do it with your watch manually. The car... Uh, just wait six months, does it really matter? Um, but with the clock on a cooker, you need either a degree in engineering or a flipping hammer, one of the two. I wonder what it, what the clock's like on an air fryer. Mary says it's frustrating when you go to the shop to find out the product didn't come in. They should have some system that they contact you for when it does. Yeah. Yeah, mind you, I I can't imagine that if you did go in looking for one, that they wouldn't take your name and keep one for you. Or do they do that? I don't know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I know I have an awful lot to be bothering me, don't I? Now after ten this morning, I'll be talking to Stephen Teep um, about the latest developments uh, in court yesterday, and uh, he spoke very strongly outside the court. Uh, following the settlement of a case he'd taken. And we'll talk more to Stephen about this after 10. What happened to Irene goes way beyond the limitations of screening. Screening should have saved Irene's life, but didn't. These labs denied her life with her parents and sisters, but most importantly, these labs denied Oscar and Noah a life with their mother. Shame on them all. The blood of my wife and the incredible friends I've made who have passed away is on the government's hands and those politicians who fails to listen. I'll talk to Stephen after the 10 o'clock news. Yesterday we were talking to, to Dr John Sheehan about Strep A and it's, it's quite serious, this story. There's 15 children dead in the UK now, which is tragic. We've had one death, I think, on the island of Ireland so far. Uh, it's very common, as Dr John was saying, for the most part, you put it past you, fairly handy, it doesn't really make you all that sick at all. Nasty sore throat. I've had a strep throat myself once or twice in my life. I never want to have it again. But for the most part, that's the worst it gets. But when it gets very bad, it gets very, very bad. And I was talking to John about um, you know, the, the use of antibiotics. And this idea, sometimes, some parts of the UK where they had this idea to maybe just give it to whole classfuls of children to, to maybe stave off strep A. But as a result of that, then, there's a danger of a shortage. And I think we already have a shortage of penicillin, or in this case, amoxicillin, dermatomy from Cloyne Care Plus 
Pharmacy and from the Irish Pharmacists Union. Dermot, the names are always confusing. Amoxicillin and penicillin, same thing, are they? Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you, PJ, and your listeners. Yeah, look, the family of antibiotics are called penicillins, and then within that group, there's a um, various different versions of penicillin. I suppose what listeners would be familiar with is that amoxicillin is, you know, first line antibiotic for many respiratory illnesses, and um, it often goes under the name of oramox or pinamox. Yeah. And unfortunately, as you pointed out these products in the liquid form are currently short with the suppliers. So yeah. it's it's making um, the situation very difficult. Is there a run on them, Dermot? No. Um, I mean, look, this time of the year, there's always an increase in respiratory illness, um, increase in flu, uh, RSV, etc. But um, so you would expect to, to be prescribing and dispensing more antibiotics, you know, from now till probably late February, early March. The issue really is that the supply um of these products isn't meeting the demand and there isn't sufficient supply in the country now there is a european wide shortage of a number of key medicines including antibiotics mm. and i suppose there's a number of issues at play and one of them is that the price that the products are set is now probably gone so low that it, in some cases it's uneconomic for manufacturers to license um, and procure them and market yeah. them in the state so that's certainly an issue I was thinking that, all right, that they've been around for so long now. They're cheaper ships, which makes them non-profitable to manufacture huge amounts of stock. Does it come down yeah. to that? Yeah, I mean, look, absolutely. I mean, I suppose, you know, a number of years ago, I suppose when I started out 20 years ago, there might have been five or six different manufacturers um, of amoxicillin in the country. Now we're probably down to two or thereabouts. And as I said, the two of those are currently short um, with with the liquid versions. I suppose what manufacturers and people are looking at is, you know, is it easier to distribute to Ireland, an island on the western seaboard, or to distribute in mainland Europe where the prices might be a bit higher, the distribution is less costly, um, there's a more populous market, etc. So mm. I think it's one of the things that the state needs to be careful of. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the unintended consequences yeah. of driving some of the off patent yeah. medicines down to such a low level. How are your own stocks? <clears throat> Say that again, sorry. How are your own stocks, for example? Own stocks, I mean, it's it's literally on a day-to-day basis. I was just off the phone um, to the team this morning and uh, we have a very limited number. We managed to get a few bottles yesterday, but I'm just, as I'm talking to you now, I'm looking at the computer now and for both suppliers, the amoxicillin is, is not available. I suppose the, the key thing for the public is that, look, there are other antibiotics available, but they tend to be um, much stronger and would be second or third line. And effectively, what we don't want to be doing is going with the stronger antibiotics for the milder infections because that has issues in terms of antimicrobial or antibiotic resistance. So you're saying your own stock in the pharmacy is low and the suppliers are are low as well. Why do we get so short of medicines so frequently? Like in Spain, as you know, they'll have have manufacturers of of last resort. They've one massive company and just supplies tons and tons of this, Not, not, not even for profit, just to have it there. You know, one of the things that um, uh, we've been looking at and people have communicated to us is that there should be something like a a national medicines reserve or a certain minimum amount of key medicines that would be kept within the country. And I think that's something that certainly should be looked at, particularly, I suppose, for key medicines. Do we not have that? Uh, We don't, know. As far as I'm aware, we're meant to have up to 30 days supply of 
a certain number of medicines in the country. But I, from what I gather, we're running a 12 day supply at the moment. Oh. Now, as I said to you, the issue at the moment is if I need to order one of the amoxicillin uh, liquid antibiotics now, as I'm talking to you now, um, they're not available from the two main wholesalers. So if they're not available from the wholesaler, then there's a backlog um, in the system. And the, the frustrating thing for us and for GPs is that we won't know. It's not like we'll know, oh, they'll be in on Monday morning, so we'll be fine. There's a bit of a panic. Um, it's almost like looking at, I suppose, the stock price of, of, of a particular share and uh, it's going up or it's going down and you don't know what to do. This is effectively what we're at in the pharmacy. We're, we're trying to dial in. We're yeah. trying to order the products for the patients who need okay. them. We're trying to get the appropriate antibiotic, but um, we're failing in that regard. Oh. And um, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. It's, it's concerning, I would say, <coughs> given that there is, is so much strep out there and people are concerned. It is. And, you know, uh, PJ, one of the things we're looking um uh, we've mentioned to the minister, and we'll mention it again, and we're calling for it, is the introduction of a serious shortage protocol whereby pharmacists would be empowered under certain protocols to substitute across a class. So, for example, if you came in, say, um, with a prescription for an antibiotic for your child today, and that particular antibiotic was short, working under the protocol, the pharmacist would be able to therapeutically substitute to a different antibiotic in a different class, just while the shortage uh, protocol is present. And unfortunately, because that isn't present, we have to revert to the GP, which puts yeah. pressure on them. You know, you as a parent or okay. our parents coming in have to wait and come back. So it's so, not like um, very simplistically, if I walk in looking for anodon, anodine and you don't have it, you can give me Panadol. You can't do that with a, with an antibiotic, no? No, because I these see. are prescription-only items and, uh, you know, they need to be used uh, judiciously. And, you know, it's an interesting one because at all times as pharmacists and as healthcare professionals, we're balancing between, um, let's say, what's required for the patient, the health of the patient, but ensuring that there isn't overuse of antibiotics as well, because yeah. one of the issues coming down Immunity. the road is, is antibiotic resistance. Yeah, I, and, you know, you know, you opened the program wondering about, you know, would there be um, sort of prophylactic strep A treatment? And, you know, you can see the arguments for, but equally you can see the arguments against. Yes. You know, if, if you have more antibiotics out in the community, then they're going to be less effective. Yeah, Dr. Uh, Dr. John was making that point very strongly uh, yesterday morning, actually. Yeah, Dermot, thank you very much for that, for no reason other than in time. I'm going to leave it there, but it's a story that's developing and continuing. Dermot Toomey from Cloyne Care Plus Pharmacy and from the Irish Pharmacy Union. We have a very serious situation with a shortage of antibiotics. In fact, I would suggest as a layman that the shortage of antibiotics and the shortage of children's antibiotics is a bit more serious than the strep A situation. And we don't have a proper reserve, as Dermot just said there. We don't have a proper reserve. That's worrying. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. 0818-969696, the number to call with whatever's on your mind. Text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. A few more thoughts of yours coming in on Harry and Megan, I'll get back to them. Uh, we had a voice message from Tom who sums it up in about 10 seconds why the British public like 
Harry so much and, it, and it's not to do with the royal family at all Tom pointed out something that I'd completely forgotten I shouldn't have but I did come back to that in a while but I do want to talk now to uh, Stephen Teep um, because yesterday I was listening to the lunchtime news and I was aware that all this was going on this court case and I, I heard about the settlement and I heard Stephen speaking outside the court in Dublin and Stephen has been on this show many, many, many times since the Savital Check scandal broke a number of years ago and he's never a man who minces his words he's never a man who holds back but I thought outside the court yesterday uh, I heard I think I heard more anger in your voice Stephen tinged with, of course, desperate sadness, but more anger in your voice than I'd ever heard before. Good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Yes, um, I suppose yeah, the overwhelming emotion is anger. I've come to the end of four and a half years of of this fight, this battle. And when I entered this battle, I've said it to you, I suppose, multiple occasions, what has what all this ever been about? And it's about getting to the truth. Um, which was established yesterday. Yeah. But along the way, obstacle after obstacle, um, that you're, you're, I suppose, people are just constantly preventing you from getting to the truth, um, which increases, I suppose, the battle here. Yeah. Um, but I think, as I was saying to you yesterday, um, when we were messaging each other, there, there was there was never going to be an outcome where there was a winner in this. Yeah. Like this process I entered already having lost. And it was never going to be about winning. Yesterday was only about one thing, and that was achieving the truth. Yeah. And unfortunately, that truth that's going to be attached to that truth and how we got to that truth um, will, of course, bring a lot of anger because at the end of the day, what the truth actually says is that Irene didn't have to die. And the people who um, caused her death put up their hands and admitted it. And, you know, of course... Like we've done all the tears already. Um, we're now left with the emotion of anger. Um, but that's something that we'll, we'll have to live with and work our way through also. It's part of, I suppose, this process. For the benefit of listeners who, who might have missed the actual story and maybe not seen it on television or heard it on radio, uh, you got an admission of liability. Explain who has admitted to being liable for what, Stephen? <sighs> Three um, people, I suppose. We've got the two labs, um, both labs, 2010, who read Irene Smear CPL, and the 2013 lab, Med Lab, that read um, Irene Smear, both admitted liability. So they both um, admitted to the misreading and the misreporting of Irene's slides. And as you know from talking to me before, and maybe some of your listeners don't, but what the result that Irene got back was an all clear come back again in three to five years for your routine smear. And this is, of course, a very important program. The screening program is the, the this was the first line of defense or the only line of defense for cervical cancer in Irene's case. But it turned out those smears were read incorrectly and should have been reported differently. And if either of those smear tests were reported um, correctly, um, she would be alive today and this cancer at very early stages would have been picked up 
um, but instead it wasn't the screening program to pick up um, Irene's cancer. So they have admitted to the liability of the misreading of the smears, but also as well the causation that it did lead to Irene's cancer, and that's the big part. And of course, Irene's cancer led to her death. It was that admission of liability, admitting to that, was, I suppose, the one of the biggest uh, pieces of truth to come out of this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, the, with the regards to the HSC, uh, it was the liability hands up around the, the, the non-disclosure part and their guilt for that. And I suppose one of the things I wanted to clarify yesterday in that statement was what did the non-disclosure process mean for Irene? Mm. It didn't mean anything medically for her and it wouldn't have changed her outcome. But what it did was when those audit results were buried in her files, consultants in Cork University Hospital took it upon themselves to say, we won't share this information for her. And what that actually did, PJ, was prevent Irene herself from getting to the truth, but also preventing Irene for, I was terminal at this point, for providing for her children like any parent would, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that they'll be leaving this earth. And I know that is something that they prevented her from getting to, almost like an obstruction of justice in a way. Yes, yes. The question that she died not knowing the answer to, Stephen, was how did this happen? And, And you vowed to answer that question for her. And you've answered it now. So how does that feel? Well, you see, this is the question that keeps on going over my head because the day Irene got diagnosed with cervical cancer, she asked the question, how did this happen? I did everything right. And by doing everything right, I attended all my smear tests. No way this should have happened because I did my part. And that's the question she asked multiple, multiple times and never were we informed there was an audit or anything like that, which is probably the first piece of the non-disclosure. But... This is the part that when the scandal broke, I vowed to myself that I will get her the answers to that question. And I feel I've achieved it. And how do I feel now? Satisfied that I achieved it. It's not, there's no happiness here. No, no. No victory here. It's just satisfied that I achieved what I set out to do for her. And now I have all those answers. And, um, there's no questions with regard to that question anymore yeah. in my head. When I messaged you yesterday to invite you to come on the programme, I said, and no mind sharing it with listeners, I said, I don't quite know what no. to say to you. I don't know whether to congratulate you on the outcome of the court. It sounds like such a, a wrong word. But are you are you satisfied at the point you've reached now? Yes, I'm satisfied at the point that I've achieved all I can achieve with regards to the truth. And this has always been nothing more than just establishing the truth. Um, I never felt I would ever be able to eyeball the individuals who did their jobs incorrectly or or didn't do their jobs at all. I don't expect that ever to happen. But I'm satisfied that I have achieved, um, I suppose I've I've achieved my goals in what I set out to do here. Mm -hmm. And that's being, first of all, getting Irene's truth But as I said to you before, it's not just Irene. Yesterday was about three people and none of them were in court. Irene, Oscar and Noah. And it's about the years to come when I have to sit down with Oscar and Noah. And we discuss exactly what happened to their mother. That I have all of the answers to the questions I hope they'll ask. And that is everything that I set out to achieve with this truth. So I also want them to have that feeling that... um, and I definitely had that feeling yesterday coming back to Cork um, on the train that I left absolutely nothing behind 
in Dublin that I did everything I could. And if I can get that message across to those lads in the years to come, then that will be um, the final the final milestone I, in this for me. I was going to ask you, you anticipated my next question. I was going to say, now you have that truth that you fought so hard to have and you have it written down. What do you do with it? You you bring your boys. How old are they now, Stephen? Nine and seven. Nine and seven. Uh, nine and seven so you you like take them they through, were... they're facing their teenage years, the most difficult years. <laughs> Of, any, of anybody's yeah. life, I know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, like, they've been, I suppose, I've had to go up to Dublin quite a bit for the last number of weeks. Um, like, the mediation process started weeks ago, the day Vicky passed away, actually. So oh, it started that back day? then. Yeah. It was the exact same day. And um, so I've been up a few times, and even this week, when I went up on uh, Wednesday evening, Joe Oscar, um, Joe shed a tear going to school because he didn't want me to leave again. And I told him this is the last time now and he, you know, his, his birthday's next Tuesday is where I'll be missing for that, but I won't be. But he's aware that I said, look, why do you think I'm going up? And he said, but you're going up to find out what happened, mum. And I was like, yeah. So kind of starting the process of drip feeding what this is about, but obviously in an age appropriate manner. So that's by, it's by the, 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 only, the, the only way, the best way to, to deal with it for now. And um, you look at the real the conversation will happen in, in the years to come. Yeah. Who looks after you, Stephen? Through all this? They do. <laughs> they do. Uh, I've got some fantastic friends that are always um, just a, a couple of steps away from me. So there are, um, I, I've got a, a good uh, network of friends around me that uh, keep me going as well. And that are always at the end of the phone mm. or waiting for me somewhere to, to, to meet up for a chat, um, offer advice, keep going. So I'm good. I've got the right people with me. Good, good man, good man. Lastly, you talked about the blood of Irene and your friends, including Vicky, and I know you became quite close. It's on the yes. government's hands. Now, you, you formed strong relationships with a number of political figures and a number of government figures. So who failed? Who failed you? Who failed your family? You just have to go back to 2008 and... When the last time I was on your show, we were talking about Vicky's documentary, and you see those clips there of people in the doll arguing back in 08, what is going to happen, almost predicting the outcome um, of sending those slides abroad. And for me, that given that this conversation was had in the doll, we had Justine McCarthy from the Irish Times reporting last week a letter she received, a copy that was sent to Mary Harney back in 2009 raising uh, from a nurse raising her concerns about the screening program that was replied to five months later by the Department of Health and just ignored but the decision began and rests as a political decision and while they ignored all of the advice and concerns they still ploughed on and for me this is where it begins and the, the, the blood rests on their hands for sure I'm thinking of one man who I spoke to very early, very early on in this when when the story had broken, uh, uh, who was I think it, his might have been the first voice raised on a on a backbench was Kevin O'Callaghan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was his voice, wasn't it? That was um, he was the first. I had tape yeah. of it. It's 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 buried somewhere. Um, yeah, but I, it's I, very vocal. What he says, yeah. a very quite accurate you know everything that he says and that I think that's the clip that rings in my head from Vicky's documentary as well 
Um, and you know, just just highlighted everything that actually happened. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if we could find it if we did a dive through our archive. We might we might find it and maybe play it at some point. Stephen, I so with, with, I guess you you can you can go to your beloved Alahees now. You can go to Myrene's grave. You can sit and talk to her in your thoughts, and you can say, "Now we know." That must mean the world. Job done exactly. She can now rest in peace. Uh, she has the truth's been gotten. That question that she left this world unanswered has now been answered for her. So it's a job done from that point of view for sure. All right. Look after yourself. Look after those, those fantastic boys and give my regards to the whole family, Steve. Will do, PJ. Thank you. Cheers. That's Stephen Teep. 0818. 96-96-96. I, uh, I don't know how many times I've talked to him and his strength is, is phenomenal. And now... He can go and he can go to his wife's grave and he can go down to Alley's where they love and he can talk to her at night when, you know, it's just the boys are asleep and it's just himself and his thoughts. He can say, well, now we know. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96 FM. People were blown away that Tato, Tato crisps, got their name from Potatoes. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ah, come off lots the stage. Of, lots of people didn't know that, Ross. I thought a pirate's dish was called a pirate's dish until I was about 20. A pirate's? A pirate's dish. I thought it was because I caught pirates cooked with that dish like before. What are we having for dinner, ma'am? Shepherd's pie. Why? Why? We just <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Courts 96 yeah, I'll come back to all the, the Harry and Meghan stuff. Quite a lot of you have been watching it and, and forming opinions on it. Um, some predictable, some not. Come back to that. 0818 96, 96, 96. I found that original speech made by um, 
Creamy and Kale on years ago. I found it. I might get a clip of it. Too. If not today, then Monday, we'll get a clip of that just to remind us of the first voice to be raised politically against the sending of uh, cervical check smears out of the country. 0818 96 96 96. Now, uh, Philip Nolan, I'm familiar with metformin, which was a, a long-time uh, diabetic medication. I'm not familiar with this one, um, and certainly not with the problem that, that you outline as a diabetic who uses it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I have a cold, so excuse me if I'm a little bit throaty. Um, yes, um, metformin is an oral treatment. It's a tablet, which I was on for a year after I was diagnosed in 2014. And we, in combination of, of it and actually changing my lifestyle completely, I actually was taken off that after a year. And I've controlled my diabetes by diet ever since. It's type 2 and you then, have, isn't it, yeah? Type 2, yes, yeah. And then um, last year, my HbA1c, which is the test you get to kind of... It's a snapshot, basically, of your blood sugars for the previous three months. That was higher than it should have been. So I was put on Ozempic, which is a relatively new drug. The active ingredient is called semaglutide. And effectively, it was licensed in for use in Europe in, I think, 2018. And basically what it does is it, um, it mimics... Um, kind of a what's the word I'm looking for it mimics a kind of a secretion that actually produces extra insulin so it controls your blood sugar and for a lot of people it's a game changer because you inject once a week it's you know it comes in a pen the the needle is replaceable so you change it every week and it's 0.4 millimeters honestly when you inject yourself you don't even feel it it's it's that tiny Um, so yeah it's a very handy treatment the, the issue is that it also can be prescribed for obesity because, like so many drugs, it's designed for one thing and then they find it has other applications. Mm. Well, I, I happen to know someone who takes it for the treatment of obesity and has had spectacular results in quite a short space of time. So yes, it does I, mean, I, 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 I think that there's research that says over 68 weeks people can lose about 15 kilos, um, which is spectacular. But then, you know, that said and done through diet when I was first diagnosed, I lost the best part of 30 kilos without the aid of any drug. Mm. So, you know, in anything, um, a combination can be helpful for sure for people who struggle with weight. Your problem now is you can't get your rose pick because of the shortage of it. Well, I've been on it for a year, and this week when I went to the pharmacy was the first time that actually they were out of stock. And my local pharmacy closed earlier this year. I had to transfer to another one, and um, I've had no issue with supply at all. And then this week, for the first time, they had none when I went up on Wednesday. And while they were expecting some in yesterday, they weren't entirely sure they were going to get it. And I can't get back to town until tomorrow, so I'll give them a call later today to see if it's in. The issue is that um, people now are using it basically for cosmetic weight loss. There was an article in The Guardian this week uh, where effectively in, in, in Hollywood basically every star appears to be on it um, at the moment and so you know it, it's a bit like Botox which was originally designed to control muscle spasms in people with cerebral palsy or post stroke yes. or yes. whatever they then realised obviously that it had this effect of smoothing wrinkles in the forehead and we have a generation now that like live by Botox injections but that's not what it was designed for and while there's plenty of supply of Botox it does seem now that perhaps recreational or lifestyle use of Ozempic is affecting supply for people who actually medically need it. Now, if you can't get your Ozempic, Philip, what happens? 
Nothing, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, you, 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 if you forget, the, the advice is to skip a week. So I'm not, I'm not panicking just yet. Right. I basically inject every Thursday. It's just a little thing that I do because there's plenty of triggers that remind me to do it on a Thursday. It has to be kept in the fridge, incidentally, as well. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's got a short shelf life if you don't actually do that. Uh, so for, for that reason, when you do go to the pharmacy to get it, you kind of need to get home fairly quickly and stick it back in the fridge. But equally, like I say, it's just that... I, I kind of in passing said to the pharmacist, of course, this is people just taking this for, you know, cosmetic weight loss, isn't it? And she kind of just nodded. So I guess that there is that pattern emerging. Yeah, yeah. I know that it, um, is type 2 diabetes on the on the long-term illness scheme. So Yes, it is. So you get it. You, you, is, it, is it expensive if you weren't yes, getting it through the LTS? Yes, it's hideously expensive. I think it's around €230 Euro a month, uh, yeah, for a month's supply. Um which is a hell of a lot of money. Um, and I think in the States it's probably two or three times that because of the way they don't, you know, negotiate with the with the big pharmacy companies. So, yes, I mean, anybody who's on it recreationally or, or lifestyle uh, and is paying for themselves obviously has, you know, plenty of cash to, to do it. But yeah, on the long-term illness game, which type 2 diabetes is covered by, yes, it's completely free. Okay, which is a, a blessing. I guess you have something like, like lung... So... You, you you will probably get it quick enough, but you're, you're concerned at the same time. I have no doubt I'll get it, but I, 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 I'm kind of hoping that this isn't a, a, a kind of a foretaste of what's to come as more and more people discover it. Because, like I say, you know, when I see our articles in The Guardian, while I understand that they have the best intentions at heart saying that, you know, people need it, when they say that everyone in Hollywood is on it, we all know that that influences other people's choices as well. Um, yeah. And as a consequence of that, I think it may have brought to the attention of even more people, as I am doing now, no doubt. Yeah. Um, well, your, your piece that, in the Daily Mail was very blunt, Philip. You said, I'm competing with slimmers for crucial meds. Yes, and I, I, I'm absolutely, I, I do make an, want to make an absolute distinction between people who have genuine struggles with weight for whom it actually also is a game yes. changer. There's yes. no doubt about that. But yes, I mean... The, the person to whom I was referring earlier is in that category, by the way. Yeah. Yes, and I'm, I'm talking about people who, you know, maybe not now, but maybe in three or four months' time might be looking for it because, you know, it's beach body time of the year or whatever. Uh, though we can't even think about that today, obviously. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, it's not miraculous either. It does take time. Yeah. Uh, but would you, would you question the doctor who'd prescribe it for that? Yeah. <sighs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, every relationship between a patient and a doctor is is private, so it's hard to know what people are 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 getting. But equally, um, I think that if it becomes a situation where there is a compromised supply for people who actually rely on it for you know serious medical conditions like obesity and diabetes, then I think doctors maybe should think twice. But again, I have no evidence mm. to suggest that multiple doctors are doing it. I just know that supply has started to be affected and that kind of worries me. All right. Okay, Philip. Thank you. Philip Nolan of the Irish Daily Mail, a user of Ozempic, a diabetes medication. It has, as a side effect, weight loss. Uh, and, according to Peace and the Guardian recently, to quote, half of Hollywood is taking it. It is the influencer drug du jour, as it were. As a result of which, people, it, it's, it's running low in stocks for people who actually need it, like Philip. And it's pricey stuff. It's 200 and something a month, unless you happen to be on the, the LTI, which is long-term in this scheme. But the drug, the recreational drug du jour, cosmetic treatment du jour, in Hollywood 
strange place, that Hollywood, isn't it? Very strange place. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of Hollywood. <laughs> All right, I got there. Speaking of Hollywood, Tom knows, reckons he knows at least, why the British public love this couple so much. The actual British public love them so much. And moreover, why they love Harry so much. Harry's liked in the UK because he's done two tours of Afghanistan. Who else in the family has done anything good like that? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. He was an active soldier and did two tours of Afghanistan. I'm not too sure if he actually saw conflict, as in actually stood behind a gun, but he did see two tours of Afghanistan, which is a fair comment. Tom, thanks. 0818969696. He's also done a lot of good work in Botswana, and that's in the first episode of the documentary, and that's the most... He was a helicopter medic. Yeah, thanks, Fergal. Um, the, the first episode of the documentary, there's some spectacular shots of his work in Botswana. Uh, he has a very close friend in Botswana who also lost his mother in tragic circumstances when he was a young person, and they became close friends. And Harry does a lot of work in Botswana, uh, charity, charity work with the, with the poor out there in the bush, in the jungle. And he likes to camp in the jungle out there. That all comes across, and he's quite a good photographer. He's an excellent photographer. And that's, according to the show, that's how Megan came across him. That she looked at his Instagram and saw these wonderful photographs. And they had some of them on the documentary, and they are. He's a very good photographer. And that's what interested her, if you're to believe all that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I was saying earlier on that Harry should probably have known better bringing Meghan into the firm, into the family. He should probably have known better what was ahead of them. Because it is kind of prescribed who you marry and the kind of person you marry and the, if you want, the, the, the section of society from whom you're chosen, um, spouse or partner shall come. PJ, are you suggesting Harry knew his family had racist tendencies and thought he could change it? Are we referring to the firm? Oh, the firm. Very much. I think they're both wonderful, Harry and Meghan. I think we haven't clue what really went on behind closed doors. But as someone who experiences racism here in Cork all too often, I can wholeheartedly say any one experience like that has a profoundly negative effect that lingers on for days and often longer. If you get daily occurrences, I can only imagine how low Megan must have felt and developed certain ideation, as they both felt they needed an escape to save themselves. Like everyone else, they need money to live, and they too get to change their minds as their point of view and situation changes. Anyone who doesn't like them can easily avoid them. Sorry for the long rant, which is a interesting, yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point point being made about the documentary was if you want your privacy grand, if you want to step back and not be a member of the royal family machine anymore then grand, way with you best, best luck to you absolute best luck to you but then stay away don't be going and doing big interviews with Oprah Winfrey and don't be going to Netflix and making big six part documentaries, have your privacy, have your life and good luck to you 
good luck. There's neither of you short of a bob. There's neither of you short of a quid. So, off you go. Happy for you. Shake your hand. Delighted for you. But don't be coming back then with big documentary series and big interviews with Oprah Winfrey. Which do you want? Do you want your privacy? And do you want to leave the machine? Grand! Day day, we'll, we'll buy the plane ticket. Fine. But then, stay away. Does anybody get that impression? Because that's my one, definitely. 0818 96 96 96. On medication. Terry says I was supposed to get that medicine this week. But my pharmacist told me to get my doctor to prescribe something else if they don't have it in stock. I now have to get a new medicine, and that's a daily dose rather than a weekly one. Sorry to hear that, Terry. Just some more of your stuff on Harry and Meghan. I loved when Princess Diana took on the paparazzi. The day she passed away, the world really stopped. She was a beauty. Aren't we suckers, though? Some people might call us nosy effers. We love hearing how the other half live. I well remember the morning that Princess Diana died. I was actually working on the news desk here at 96FM. And I remember we had a, a chap working with us at the time. He was a contributor to the newsroom, a guy called Alan Dawson. He lives in Spain. I haven't heard of him in a while, but he lives in Spain and teaches English over there. He was ex-army. But he was a brilliant guy to go out in the street and do a little bit of a box pop. And he came in that Sunday morning and he went down to, remember, St. Augustine's Church. And he came back up to me and said he couldn't believe the number of men and women who were crying outside St. Augustine's Church that Sunday morning as they took in the news of, of Diana's death. I liked the documentary of PJSSD. It was like, I like a chick flick, and it was kind of like that. The scent of wealth versus the warped tabloid reporters. Myself and my daughter watched the first episode together. She just wanted to do a checklist for her trip to Austria. I do think the royals have a tough role too, though. And talking of actors, they're the best actors in the business. As my late sister used to say, I love this, I never heard this one before. As my late sister used to say, no matter who you are, we all put our socks on the same way. Well, that's true. Well, that's true. And we all go to the toilet the same way, so we do. Thanks, Dee. I disagree with the privacy thing. I think Harry and Meghan are trying to get out their story so as to get it over with once and for all in the hope of the media giving them an ounce of privacy from now on. But of course, they're making bank from it too, says Steve. 0818 96 96 96. Talking about taxi drivers on the programme, chatting with them yesterday with Jamie who called in about taking cash or not taking cash or taking card or not taking card, as the case may be. And they come in for a bit of flack now and again about things like that. But there's also a fine decent bunch of men and women out there driving taxis who like to do good things at a time like Christmas and Derek O'Keefe is one of those and you've got a charity effort going on for the Cork City Hospital's Children's Club. Derek, morning. Good morning PJ, thanks for having me on again. You've set up your own charity effort for the Christmas. That's it. Um, A group of us, a group of Cork taxi drivers have come together and, you know, while we always do things for the community on, on the hush side, we decided we come out this year and just put our name behind something. So that's what we're doing, PJ. A large group of Cork taxi drivers have come together and we've decided, how can we make a difference? And we decided that we would raise funds and who better than the amazing 
Cork City Hospital's Children's Club. Remind us again the kind of work that they do. I tell you, when you start reading about it, PJ, it starts breaking your heart. They deal with the children who have nothing. They deal with children who have seen domestic and sexual violence from a young age. They deal with the sick children. They deal with the deaf children. And these children who have nothing, who've been abused, whose life have been torn apart from a very, very young age, the Cork City Hospital Children's Club step in and they try to make a difference. Mm. They bring them on annual day out. They do fun days. They bring Mickey Mouse to the hospitals. They take them away to your Disney once a year. Mm-hmm. They really, really step up to the mark and just try and make a difference because we all know at a very young age, children learn so much and it stays with them for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And a line I read last night, well, I was reading more, a little bit emotional about it because I've read so much over the last two days into this, is that you might have two children age seven or eight and they come from being sexually abused at a young age, PJ, and they won't talk to anyone. But they're over in the likes of your Disney and they start to share their story with another victim. And that opens up the way that they feel they can talk and let them move on to therapy. There's so many amazing things this charity does, PJ, that, do you know what, it'll take me till 12 o'clock to, to really get into it. Mm. I suggest. Yeah, I, I've talked to them a few times about their trip to to Eurovision, or not Eurovision, Euro Disney. Um, yeah. And, and the work, it takes 80-odd people yeah. to go there. And... They need doctors, they need nurses, they need paramedics, they need therapists. Just to get, it's incredible. When you look at the list of volunteers, now, like you have, as you said, doctors, nurses, members of the Gardaí are instrumental in all these because they do all the planning for these events. So it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. The two charities we were thinking about, like another one that's very similar to this is we have a great guarder in Cork by the name of Pat Harrington and he works with the Little Blue Heroes. Yeah. So uh, Pat's amazing. He works in the K9 unit as well. So I didn't want to step on his toes <laughs> by doing that. And that's more of a national thing, PJ, where, where this one is really based in around Cork. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, the, the, the man I generally speak to about is the amazing John Looney that guy's oh. just put he's put his life into this uh, yeah it's uh, everything you read about him every article every news story it's you know it's just unbelievable someone said to me just to cross reference that they said oh yesterday why are you doing that and you know what's the relevance of this charity and why would taxi drivers have an affiliation? See, people in the background, they think of taxis and they're going, oh, I'm going into the city on a Saturday night out for a few drinks, so I'll call the taxi. Mm. But every day, PJ, taxis in the city work with the Cope Foundation. Yeah. They bring kids to school on behalf of Bus Aaron. We work with dialysis patients. We bring families, if necessary, to emergency surgeries behind ambulances to the Crumlin Children's Hospital in Dublin. So there's so much more to tax. And that's why 
we really, really wanted okay. to give back you, to the... You, you see at first hand the work this charity does. So how do we help, Derek? Um, I've already set up um, a page uh, where it would be great if members of the public um, could join in and uh, maybe donate. It's a very simple one. It's called the Cork Taxi Drivers Christmas Charity. Um, I'll send a link to you, PJ, and if you want, you can you can put it up on the 96FM page or, or, or anything you want. We'll share that as much as we well, can. Yeah, we're happy to do that. Happy what to. I want to say straight off the bat is we started this yesterday and we had a goal, a dream. Imagine if we could raise a thousand euro. Can, yeah. can you imagine if you could do that? We're over a thousand and fifteen euro already. Good. Well, it's going to run up to when? Up to Christmas Eve? It is. And look, some of the big um, app companies are starting to donate as well. Fabulous. Fabulous. Will you do something for me, Derek? Our last show of the year, my friend, is December 23rd. It's two weeks today. Will you come back on with me that day? Just tell me how much you've made. Absolutely. Can I just ask once more, just very quickly, if any member of the public... And I know my own mother said it to me yesterday. Oh, there was times in the past that I wish I could have done something for that taxi driver. He was so nice or he was so kind. But what could I do? Please, if you've ever been affected by a taxi driver who's done something nice, please, 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 can you donate to the Cork Taxi Driver's Christmas Charity for this amazing cause? All right, listen, Derek, thanks for getting that up and running. And I know it'll do so, so well. We'll share all the links we have. Cork taxi drivers Christmas charity and their charity is the Cork City Hospital's Children's Club. Thanks Derek come back to Harry and Megan Kevin says Harry isn't as liked as you'd think but there's still plenty looking to make coin off the royal family everyone from Piers Morgan to rag papers in the gutter press lap this stuff up more fool the idiots that buy it Uh, Kevin I don't know is that fair I think a lot of people are interested in the royal family just as something to watch. They are, and I've got to tell you, earlier in the year when the Queen passed away, I sat down, it was off the weekends, that weekend, and I sat down to watch what I said I'd watch maybe a half an hour of the ceremonies the following morning after she died, and I stood, sat glued to the telly for about four hours. I was fascinated by it. The one thing about the royal family, love them or hate them, um, they are fascinating to watch. Quite fascinating to watch. I hate to be one of them. I don't think I could live that way. In the constant public... God, there's enough public scrutiny in this flipping job. But at least I can go home and close my door and not have a cameraman outside it. Yet. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. John says, I'm partially... This is on the medication... John says, I'm partly sighted. I could take Azopt eye drops every day. They're also in short supply. Couldn't get them for the last two months. I got a generic one, but I don't think they are the same. Thanks, John. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-96-96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Don't know about you, but if this weather was to stay until March, I couldn't be happier. I love it. It's cold, bitterly cold, but it's gorgeous. Just look out at that. A bit of schnockte will be just fine too. I don't mind a bit of schnockte. Makes it difficult to get around, but that's the worst it does. One thing I would say though is, no matter what age you are, whether you're 8 or 80, a woolly hat is as important in this weather as a pair of sunglasses in the sun in, in the summertime. In fact, I'd go so far as to say a woolly hat in this weather is as important as sunscreen in July because it really will it is a game changer a nice woolly hat on you on, a, on the morning like it was this morning but yeah it can, this weather can stay for as long as it wants it's more than welcome 0818 96 96 96 the number of the text to whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie pile of stuff held over in the comments and I'll get them still more coming in on, on Harry and Megan and what you think of them but yesterday I read out a list of strikes that are either pending or happening or balloting for in the UK. And it really is, as the old saying was, a winter of discontent across the water. Trains and buses and nurses and possibly teachers and coffin makers, bizarrely enough. I got the full list of it yesterday, but among them... Among the strikes are baggage handlers at the airports at Heathrow Airport and also border control personnel at the airports. And I'm thinking to myself, is there a possibility, because they're talking about striking very close to Christmas, is there a possibility that people coming home from Christmas, or for Christmas, to Cork, from other parts of the world, might just find the last leg of their journey kiboshed by a strike? It's something we're thinking about. Travel editor with The Sun in the UK is Lisa Mino, and she joins me. Um, first morning. of all, morning, Lisa. Uh, thanks for being with us. The, the raft of strikes coming down the line in the UK is, is bizarre, to say the least. But travel, very, very badly affected. And as I said, Christmas travel could be really upended. Well, that's right. Yes, you've got obviously the um, the rail strikes which are going to impact lots of people um, and they're running all the way through into the new year. Next week will be the, the sort of the worst week. And then you've got also um, a lot of problems and strikes um, on actual um, 23rd of December through to the 27th, which is going to hit a lot of people who perhaps will be traveling just very much at the last minute. Um, but what's more concerning is these border force strikes, because this could affect up to two million people. There are 10,000 flights are due to um, sort of be affected by this at the six airports in the UK where the border force staff are actually striking. Um, and that's from the 23rd to the um, 27th and then the 28th to the 31st. So it's over those two periods where people will be doing their most of most of travel. Um, and it is going to have a big impact. Although they have the government have plans to um, have staff coming in and volunteering or even the army and other workers coming in to sort of cover for the border mm. force staff, it's it's still going to have a huge impact mm. and it could see um, flights being cancelled if we get to see, as we did in the summer, those very long queues for either passport control or for security, as we did in the summer. Um, 
the number of people, the sheer number of people that you have in an airport when these kind of things happens mm. does have an impact. It might mean that flights, you know, can't take off on time. Perhaps flights can't find a gate because flights are delayed. Um, and that's when you start to see the, um, the flights being cancelled. Mm. I heard the terrible term yesterday, uh, another um, travel journalist of renown, Simon Calder. He used the term... Very good pre- friend of mine, yes. <laughs> pre- preemptive cancellations. Yes, well, so that was the idea. So the airlines have all been um, told that they they could expect up to 30% of their schedules might have to be cancelled. Um, but actually, all of the airlines so far have literally doubled down and said, we are not planning on cancelling Jet 2, which is one of the the, the second largest largest tour operator in the UK. They've already come out and said they will not be, you know, changing their schedules. Mm. Um EasyJet have just sent me an email saying that actually they're, they're planning to run their whole schedule. All they're saying is if you want to amend your plans, you'll, they'll, they won't charge you a fee to change the date of your flight or move to a flight mm. um, to another date. If they don't want to travel, they can have a flight voucher for the full value of their flights. So they are trying to be flexible, but mm. at the same time, they're all saying, no, we're not moving. This is us. This is the time of year where they would make significant sums of money. Yes. Lots of people wanting to travel. And after the three years of the pandemic, they really do need to sort of replenish those coffers. I'm thinking in terms of people who would come home to Cork for Christmas and, and the last leg of their journey is Heathrow to Cork, Gatwick to Cork, Manchester to Cork could those people have a problem if they're coming from the four corners of the world if border force passport control security if they're on strike getting through Heathrow airport could be a nightmare it could be, but obviously, obviously, this we've got the the common travel area, and generally, if you're on a connecting flight, you don't go through border force um, or border control. Okay. Um, so, um, hopefully, that shouldn't be so much of an issue. I think the only problem they might face is if flights do start to have to be cancelled. That's where we could see a big problem. Um, obviously, you know what they're trying to do. I think the airlines and what they did in the summer as well is that they're trying to, if they have to cancel flights, cancel flights. Um, literally where they've got multiple flights to the same destination in the same day. And generally, um, those would be short-haul, des- short-haul flights, not long-haul flights, okay. because the long-haul flights are obviously much more revenue um, you know, incentivized. They, they want to keep those ones going. They're okay. the ones that earn the money. So the likelihood of someone's flight home from Sydney via Heathrow, the likelihood of that being cancelled, it, it's, it's slim enough. Very slim, yes. No, those those are the flights that really, you know, any airline would want to keep in their schedules 100%. Okay. Um, say if you've got, you know, you're EasyJet and you're flying four times a day to Milan, you might perhaps cancel a flight or two flights out of Milan because it's going to have much less of an impact. But obviously because we have the train strikes at the same time, people are still going to be very much impacted. Mm. Lastly on those rail strikes, Lisa, they're going on a long time now. And, and there's, a, there's a connection with Cork in that Mick Lynch is a Corkman. Um, ah, he, yes, he, he, yeah, he's from this part part of the world. That's really a case of all sides digging in their heels. That's really tough now and very hard in the travelling public. Well, that's right. That's exactly what's happened. Um, the latest offer was rejected by the RMT, um, or that they were going to put it to their members, but um, recommending that the offer was rejected. Um, and that does leave us with the situation in the, the the immediate strikes that we have next week will definitely be going ahead. But there are strike dates all the way through into January as well. Um, and they have a mandate to continue striking for six months. Uh, at the same time, as you say, the government are very much... Oh, the, the employers um, are very much saying no. If you would like an amended offer, there has to be these nego- it has to be these sort of you know 
things attached to it. Um, and the latest one that has been sort of popped in at the last minute almost um, was the driver-only trains, which wasn't actually something that had been part of the initial mm. um, sort of um, discussions. So, I mean, and, and there very much is two sides digging in and and nowhere seems to be coming anywhere near a compromise and, at the moment. And the travelling public in, in, in real trouble at the busiest time of the year. I mean, could they lose? Do do they have public opinion on their side, the RMT, Lisa? I think there is significant sympathy um, for the RMT. And in the, you know, these were, you know, people who, like all of us, are suffering in um, a cost of living crisis mm. with uh, prices of everything, you know, ever increasing at the moment, inflation high. Um, whether or not that sympathy translates into people um actually feeling that it's going to affect their daily lives that's the other issue as well because obviously since the pandemic far less of us work um from or work work all the time in an office um and for many of us the ability to be able to work from home was you know created during the pandemic people were allowed to work from had to work from home um so for the likes of myself you know next week is going to be really tough but i can continue to do my job i will do my job from home mm. um i'd much rather be in the office but i can do it from home um so whether or not that it's going to have that continued impact um is is what i think the government is relying on whether or not they're actually going to be able to force the that public opinion from sympathy into you know come on government get do do something about this mm. um and that's where I think it, it's not quite got to that level yet. People okay. are just making alternative arrangements. Yeah, it really is a winter of discontent, though. But the good news that you have for us today, wrap, to wrap up finally, Lisa, is that people coming long haul home to Cork for Christmas, they don't at this point have much to worry about. Hopefully not, yes. Okay. But <laughs> we've seen what happened in the summer. Let's just hope it doesn't repeat yeah, itself. Yeah, there's that too. You, you could be a while in the airport, but you, you will at least get, get your flight. Thank you very much, Lisa Mino, who's travel editor of The Sun. So that puts a little bit of clarification on it. Your last leg out of Heathrow or out of Gatwick or out of Manchester or wherever to Cork, well, that's okay because of the common travel area. Those flights will be fine. But there may be some preemptive cancellations coming into Heathrow or Gatwick or Manchester. But as Lisa said, if you're coming from Long Haul, chances are that won't happen. Because the airlines need the money. <laughs> oh, 0818969696. And as I said, I was in contact with, with Barry Holland, who's the new communications guru at the airport here. Our own local airport, Cork Airport, finest airport in the whole wide world ever. And he was telling me they're in contact with the airlines on a daily basis to see if there will be problems at Christmas. At the moment, they don't anticipate problems at Christmas uh, to, to as a result of these strikes in the UK, but they have their finger on the pulse. 0818 96 96 96. Just coming back to, we had quite a lot of talk in the last few days about cashless society. Taxi drivers, for example, are supposed to take cash now and or take cards now and a lot of them don't. I run a business. I needed to change cash yesterday. After queuing for around 30 minutes, I presume in a bank, I made it to the counter and was asked if I had it ordered. Of course I hadn't. They told me they could only accept it that way. It was pre-ordered. Eventually the lads in the local business sorted me out. But I think it's appalling. Hold on. Hold on a minute here. So you into a bank Right. You went to a bank and you went up to the counter and you needed to make a cash transaction in a bank 
where they have safes full of cash. And they asked, had you made an appointment to deal with cash in a bank? Ah, here. That's utterly, utterly ridiculous, like. Utterly ridiculous. 0818-96-96-96. Had a couple more on that one. Uh, yeah, um, Michal sent us an email to opinion at 96fm.ie. He said, people, he said, PJ, people are ignoring the elderly. They just don't care about them. A lot of elderly people are just not up to standard with phones or banks. I'm very surprised with the GA in particular going cashless. Most of their followers are elderly. That's a bit of a statement, but I take your point. I just wanted to point out how the technology is racing past older people and they're being left out in the cold, looking at a fast racing world go by. It's a disgrace. I personally don't think it's right that older people can end up so excluded especially from something that they hold so dear, like the G. And we have had a few calls about that, about ticketless, day, you know, actual digital ticketing for the GAA. It's not popular. It's happening, but it's not popular. Santa baby. For non-stop Christmas hits. Non-stop Christmas hits. My Christmas present for you. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss. Streaming online now. With Blackpool gift cards, they're the best with so much choice for all the family. Pure shopping, pure Christmas, pure Blackpool. Download our app or see 96fm.ie. But staying with the everyman, because a lockdown project that turned into... An online sensation that turned into sellout shows at the Everyman is now developing into a second show at the Everyman. I, I speak of the bold Reggie or Pat. <laughs> How are you, Pat? I'm good. How are you, PJ? Step in there to me. Step in. Here we go. There yeah, you. yeah, yeah. You're good. I'm good. I'm good. A second show. I know. Yeah, like Cork's most lovable millionaire. Back for most, most beautifully spoken millionaire. Back again for another one. Yeah, I can't wait actually because the live shows are the best. You know, how, the how did he start? Necessity. Um, there was lockdown. Sure, like all of us, we were kind of cut off. So there was other projects I were doing. I was recording stuff, and we were doing getting into studios and recording bits of Ask Audrey and the Examiner. Mm. And then we couldn't do that. Sure, nobody could get into any studio. And then one day, I just put it. I was. On, on the South Mall and I was dressed up for once and I put a, the camera to my face and pretended to be Reggie and said I'm down here in the South Mall should I own half of it and I, I think there was like it was a 20 second video didn't even think about it posted it up and it just got traction and I said I'd do it again and did it again I remember I think I said that the big one was remember when they they opened it up to different counties you could travel inter-county right. remember that and I did one saying to people in Tipperary and Waterford that you keep out of Cork you know, you're not welcome <laughs> we don't need you and that Immediately was that was a signal sign for me that if you do stuff about places, people react on social media because that got real traction. You, you said about uh, Tipperary, and I quietly took off the brown shoes I was wearing and threw them in under the bed. They haven't come out since. The pointy browns, the pointy brown shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fairness, I mean that is a pure sign of Tipperary, and I, you know I wouldn't be doing that myself. But I, I've noticed them everywhere. Actually, you notice them a lot of weddings and things like yeah. that. The pointy brown shoes are Gareth Brooks concerts. We'll stuff. be discussing that at the next at the next show. I think it's something that needs to be. Ruled out. The, the show that came to the Opera House, like we, we talked at the time, Pat, was a real, it was an experiment to see could it happen. And by God, it did. People loved it. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say that I was just lucky at the people around me because I had no idea. I was used to doing two minute videos on, on yeah. Twitter, right? And they're their own thing and you've no technology. You sit there, you, you look into the camera and you talk for two minutes. To take that onto stage for over an hour, 
I was just because I Pat Kieran was a big part of it, the director. Uh, and then just the people involved in the Everyman were brilliant. And they just brought in the people who turned us from a kind of a two-dimensional camera thing into something that could exist in 3D on the screen and hold an audience for an hour, which is a different mm. kind of a thing. And, you know, make, make a song and dance out of it, literally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have to say it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Just the process of writing it and getting to put it up on stage and getting it and then the most enjoyable because when you get out in front of people they were a great crack and that's the bit like that I'm looking for. now we're doing another show I know it's kind of the payoff is when you get out and do it and you yeah. crack with it like it's yeah. that's what I'm looking for now Pat's going to take a step back there and, and Reggie you're going to tell me about yourself um, where did you make all this money? well I, I inherited it like all, like all the best people on the Black Rock Road I mean otherwise I'd have had to have a job right so I wouldn't have time for that between the sailing and cheating on my wife you know it's a very busy very busy life PJ so I it just inherited it you know and um, my mother's still alive unfortunately because the house is worth 7.2 million and you know if, the, if we have a property crash now that could be wiped out so hopefully now she'll well we won't say it we won't say it but you know yourself so inheritance, inheritance yeah. and um, you've no qualms about that like you've never worked in your life proud of it proud of it yeah no, obviously so why would you if you had if you didn't have to you know <laughs> kind of people that you'd meet DJs and people like that accountants awful people so no no it, it allows me it kind of it, it frees me up and you know what it really frees me up to do PJ it's, it's to maintain the highest standards possible on Leaside to help other people mm. to be better people and I think that's the main thing Th- this is the programme we're putting together now for the new year that's you right. want to, you, you think that everyone can be like you Reggie's Guide to Social Climbing see that's, that's a mistake no, no. It's Reggie's guide to social climbing is that they can improve themselves, but obviously I don't exist. So the whole it's it's, it's the notion you can go up the ladder, but you're not going to get to where I am. You know, I think it's ridiculous. Sean Lake I, isn't selling like. Well, no, and I see. I live in a five point four million euro mansion on the Black Rock Road. Well, that's what it cost this morning. It's probably gone up again. Very desirable location, and you're like, but you can't see it. So, you know, people think to me, "Where is it?" Well, you you can't see it. It's blocked out. So it's 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 that part where you know it's untouchable, and I'm unreachable. But I am out there to help people. Like you, you, you say you're from Douglas. Mm. I'm very hard, very sorry to hear that. But like, you know, I think there's people, there's things you 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 already got rid of the pointy browns, so we're going somewhere there. As to help people like yourselves, maybe go up a little rung on the ladder. You know, mm. maybe go up and road to stone road, maybe that kind of a thing. Obviously, again, still way below. Well, where, I, where I, 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 grew, I grew up in in Ballinlock, Stroke Blackrock. Don't tell anyone that. Okay, I will say Blackrock maybe, but Ballinlock, no, that's that's you see, you're, the, the, the big danger is it's snakes and ladders. You've gone down one there now straight away. Well, I lived on the border effectively by the Silver Key. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I'm very sorry to hear that. I, yeah. No, awful stuff. So, and it's for people like you now. You're your classic your audience. I think for me, I think we can help you to to get up. What help do I need? Ladder. Right. Jesus, where do I start? I mean, I'm, it's a pot to wear. Right, and you just let's just say we're all lucky. You're not on television now today, right? Because actually, I don't know if you know, it's PJ semi naked inside here. You're all freezing outside. He's sitting, likes to do the show semi naked. So it's what to wear. It's how to talk, for instance, language, how to eat, right, and how not to make a clown of yourself if you go to a dinner party on the Black Rock Road. I think you're probably safe enough there, PJ. Or I can't see the invite coming, but you know, <laughs> like it's that kind of thing. It's to help people. You've heard of the notion of imposter syndrome, you know, where people feel they don't belong somewhere. So it's yeah. to help people get over that in a way and, and to. Yeah. Show them how we do it on the Black Rock Road. Now you're going to call yourself. You are you you are claiming to be a style guru. That's right, a class. Guru. Yes, you appeared on the stage of the Everyman in a pair of speedos and nothing else. Explain they were yourself. very expensive speedos. 
Right, can I just say that first of all, very expensive speedos. And I think you see the, the thing is when you get to my level, you don't really care what people think about you. And I think this is the mistake that people like yourselves now done with the silver key make. Oh, you're worried, oh god, what are they going to think about me now? Mm. Well my local these days would be berries. So Okay, well now already now they're changing their mind about you. You know, but I have a four year old car and things like that and people looking to I need to get a new car. So I'm saying, you know, when you get to my level, we don't worry about that, right? You know, so that's it's nothing to me. I, I would have gone naked. I, I have nothing to hide. Um, but the lads in the everyman That's said, true. you know, so the lads in the everyman said, absolutely not. No, they, they were against that. So, but you know what? I'll try again this time. I, I'm making absolutely no guarantees of being, I've, let's just say a very low costume budget for the new show, put it that way. A very low cost. And, and like, you're saying that the old social order is on the wane and you need to tackle that. Do you know the most expensive postcode in Cork? No. Balancholic. Balancholic. I mean, this is mentioned in the book of Revelations as a sign of the end of days. <coughs> Literally, it says if the property, it is the most expensive postcode in Cork. And that's the sign to me that there's been some kind of rupture in the, in the proper order of things. And I think that needs to be fixed. And that's part of what I intend to do as well is, is to. But you hate Balancholic. I do, yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> Naturally. But, you know, why, 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 are, why, why, I want to know, why are people looking to buy houses in Balancholic? Why, that's, I, I, you know, part of it for me is, is an inquisition to get to people. Why is that happening? Why are people looking to buy houses in Balancholic? Crazy carry on. I mean, next they'll be moving to Bishopstown or something worse again. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's, that's my concern. That, and, and I want to know why this is happening. Something's clearly wrong. PJ, if that's happening, and that's, that's where I'd be looking to mm. get things fixed up. Because as part of the last production, you blew up Balancholic. I did, yeah. Figuratively, at least. I did, yeah. Well, again, I asked, could we do it? Like, could we literally do it? And the everyman, they're very fussy. They say, I know, don't, because we'll have problems with solicitors. And, you know, I mean, they wouldn't have much problems with people. People on Model Farm Road would probably be delighted. But, you know, no, we, we, we won't. So, I don't know. If I say, you know, melancholic features, it is. It's very desirable. Maybe all you talk about it is making it an attractive place to live. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't want to be selling the place either. You know, this show as well, it's, it's, the idea is I'm going to tour it, you know, so mm. I, I want to bring this message to somewhere beyond Cork. You'll have to start looking at Dublin and Limerick. I will. Yeah, unfortunately. Frightens the life out of you. Well, naturally enough. Like, I'm one of the few people that can afford to spend a weekend in Dublin. You know, the prices they're charging. So, but I'll go up there, I'll probably bring it up there as well, you know. So we'll have less jokes about the lock, maybe, and more jokes about Kildare and places and mm. Tipperary. Yeah, yeah. You're going to teach us how to behave at a dinner party. How do you behave at a dinner party? Oh, impeccably, obviously. But, you know, you're talking about things like the cutlery. But it's important to know what to drink, what not to drink, how to curse. You know, I've noticed. I mean, well, I've not, when you get to the boil layer of society, cursing is in second. I won't do it now, obviously, a bit early in the day. But, you know, you should be able to curse properly. So, again, this is something I'll be tackling. I'll be teaching people how to curse. And, mm, well, and I mean, we have our own unique Cork curse word that isn't offensive as opposed, as opposed well, to you, the other... I'll let you say really it first now, really. Fake. Fake. Oh, I thought you were going to say lager. No, no, no. All oh, right, no, until no. the one. But la, la, oh, yeah, yeah. that's okay. Well, it depends where it depends, actually. But yeah, yeah, no, it won't. No, I'll be going for the real the real thing. I think that's actually a sign of, um, actually, a sign of, you know, that you're a bit lower order if you were kind of change that, you know, crushed is another thing. Or, or you know, this slightly changing one letter and a curse word. You don't need for that. Say the word. Don't be afraid. Say the word. Say in, the polite, word. in polite company. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now, you say that no, regardless of how many times they come to see you and regardless of how much advice they get, uh, Reggie, there's, there's got to be hope for Passage West. I mean, look where it is down there in the edge of the water. It's gorgeous. You would have thought so. You would have thought so. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe moving to Carry Line would be the hope there. Or, or just maybe, I, I don't know what you could do. Maybe, maybe it's best move to Limerick. 
or something like that. I, I, I fear for the I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's a fantastic setting, some huge houses, but poor standards, you know. And again, but if people from Passage West are coming to the show, I think we could get them up to maybe an ovens or something like John, that. John Spillane wouldn't agree with you. No, or John Spillane wouldn't agree with me on anything, but should listen, it's mutual. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Pat. You're touring this in 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 March, um, and yeah. I, I think it, you know. Just speak purely personally for for a minute. You never expected this to happen in lockdown when no. all the work was dried up. No, that like I'd never been on stage before, and again, it's it's like we put so much work into because like I, I needed the work to get ready for it the last time. Mm. Uh, no idea, and like we've 17 shows of that done. Last, mm. the last run um, and we're back in, in early March now tickets on sale now make a very good Christmas present actually Wouldn't they just? Maybe saying Wouldn't they just? But, like, yeah I didn't and do you know I want to do more with it now um, but yes you never know what's around the corner I wouldn't wish the pandemic on us again but uh, no I'd how do you think Reggie would work in Limerick or Dublin how do you think he'll work uh, do you know you can kind of guess from the social media mm. that they're asking are you coming to, to those places and I've met people I've, I've met some people from Limerick and thing recently actually and they were saying they love the bits. What I've noticed most is people love the bits about Limerick. The people who love it the most mm. are the Northsiders or the Norries, as Rachel would call them. You'll have to go. You'll have to go to Sean Mike's hometown. There's talks of going to um, a number of places down in Kerry. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and, yeah. We'll have to speak that bit slower. Pat, for and and Pat Paul, Pat Paul, Pat Paul, Mary. Mick, 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 Mike, Mary. And then there's <laughs> Tim, Pat, Mary below in Dunmanway. So again, you know, so we'll, we'll, we might bring, we'll, it depends on the size of the show now, we'll see. But, um, We'll bring this one out, out and about, hopefully, anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for you. Thanks very um, much. Absolutely. Now, the others, they're, they weren't with you on stage, Scobie. Well, Scobie's back in Mountjoy again for the little, the white-collar unit now, so there's no problem to yeah. mis- misunderstanding with the revenue. Yeah, and, and Milky, where's Milky these days? Milky Pilkington, top estate agent on the South Mall. So he's just out overvaluing houses and doing stuff like that, lying to the people of Cork, basically. Yeah. Bunty Harrington. Bunty will be back. Bunty's Bunty's a great friend. Bunty will be manning the box again and doing the lights. You wouldn't understand the term box. It's a theatrical thing, BJ. <laughs> but hey, Bunty will be working there again this season. He's hopefully he'll be up for it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, we look forward to it. Opens Wednesday, the eighth of March, twenty twenty three. I'm delighted for your success, Pat. I really am. And thanks, BJ. And you've been very good to me, and I appreciate delighted it. Thank success. you. And I have a friend who's a Kerryman who's based mostly in the states, and all of the Sean Mike ones I send on to him. So, if you go down there, we'll go down and we'll make a public appearance at the, at the show. Do, do, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Thank Pat you. Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Reggie, Cork's most beautifully spoken millionaire, back on stage in March of 2023. Happy Christmas, Pat. Right, we had some fun with this all week. 29th of December is when our winners will be going to see the Panto at the Everyman. Tanya, Dylan's Cross, uh, line five... Hey, Tanya. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are who, you? Who will you bring with you? Well, I have four smallies out, PJ, that are dying to go. I've been trying all week. Brilliant. All right. Yeah. Well, not only are you going to bring him to the Panto, but you can take him to Clancy's as well, as well for a bit of dinner. Oh, that's bit, that's bit fantastic, PJ. Thank you so much. Yeah. You've been, you've been ringing every day and you got through now. I have indeed. Fantastic. Have. All, all set for the Christmas? Um, just about no PJ, just about two yeah, weeks. Well, two weeks there. tomorrow, Christmas Eve. So the, I suppose the tree should be up at this stage. Is the tree up? Oh, it is. That's up since before the toy show. Good, 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 good. Yeah. All right. So, and you're sorted oh, now with the panther. You can tell them they're okay. 
Thank you so much, Peter. No bother. No bother. My Thanks pl- a million. My pleasure. Have a lovely Christmas, Tanya. And also on... I'll leave her back there with you, Les. You need to talk to her. Line three. Brian. Hello. How are you doing in Glenmire? You have, do you have smallies? I do, yeah. I have three of them, yeah. All right. Well, not only are you going to see Cinderella on the 29th of December with them, but we'll sort you out for Clancy's and a bit of grub and maybe some chips and sausages and stuff for the kids beforehand. How's about that? Very good. Sounds very good. Thank you very much. Are you all, nice sort, of, are you all sort of for Christmas? Uh, we're getting there, yeah. Just a few more things to, to get and then I'd say we can kind of settle in. Yeah. Would you be like me? Would you be a last minute dot com or will you have everything done days out? Well, for certain people, yeah, but obviously the others then to be fine, but certain people like herself now and all that. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, lastminute.com. All right, Brian, well done. You and the family off to see the Panto on the 29th. Thanks to our friends at the Everyman who've been with us all week and to all the restaurants who uh, chimed in as well. Uh, the, the show is going down an absolute storm. I haven't seen it yet. I mean it. But I haven't seen it yet. But it is going down a storm. And everyone going along say it's great laugh, great fun, great singing, great dancing, great music, great pure cork Christmas entertain- entertainment. And that's lovely to see. So good luck to my, my lovely friend Catherine Mann Buckley and her team uh, at Everyman. Cinderella, running from now until the 15th of January. 0818969696. You're mad about your air fryers, lads. Air fryers, great for chicken. Great for chicken. My wife used to use it to make a cake. Even a gormless clown like me can use it. And you don't sign your name. Yeah, loads more of, of air fryer stuff. A lot of you have, like them. I don't have one. I have no notion of how to use one. I don't know. Uh, on Harry and Megan, Mark says, as a former, this came in an email, opinion at 96mm.ie, as a former serviceman, myself and four million others, we've lost respect for Harry. When you join, you take the oath for life. You broke that oath. Simple as that. Okay, I'm not, not, I'm not, look, not being into service things and army and military and all that. Not so much British anyway. I, I don't know what you mean. But I take your point, thank you. I saw the Netflix first installment and loved it. I love Harry and Meghan. I think they've done nothing wrong to warrant the crap that she got, especially. Maybe they should put all the anger and angst into the person Prince Andrew became. To me, personally, that's a hell of a lot worse. Oh, God, Veronica, you're not wrong. And on the rail strikes, Tory government, says Kevin, refusing to negotiate with unions. This is what they hope will be their Thatcher moment. The latest offer was an effective pay cut of 6%. Well, I keep talking about Mick Lynch, the Corkman leading the railway union. Uh, he'll be the last union leader that any Tory government will break. I think there's probably a broken Scargill first back in the day. There's something about Mick Lynch. There's something about Christmas. There's something about Mick Lynch. He's not going to bend. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right down to Casey's Bar in Clonakilty. This is a lovely idea. Christmas Eve is two weeks tomorrow, Adrian, and you are really doling out the Christmas spirit on the day. Free Christmas dinner. Morning. Morning. How are you? Hi. Tell me about this. Okay, so unfortunately James can't um, take the call today and Adrian's actually not here, so my own name is Jessica, so I'll be talking on behalf of them. You're fine, not at all. Okay, so this is a beautiful idea. Oh, it's a wonderful idea. Wonderful. 
especially with everything going on at the moment, you know, we just wanted to do something for people living alone and to help out. So who's eligible? And do our bit. So we have, we have the Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve from 12 to 9. Anyone can come in that avails of it and it'll be pure confidential and everything. Okay. So literally be, just come in, sit down. Come in, it'll actually be for takeaway. Oh, right. Okay. On Christmas Eve, so they can take it away home. All the trimmings from starter, mains and dessert. Everything? Everything. Who came up with this idea and why? Um, James came up with this idea back a few years ago. He's been doing it every year. And I suppose just to help out for the community. And I suppose everything we're facing at the moment as well. Yeah. Well, it's a lovely idea. And I hope that when the new year comes, uh, that it will be rewarded by your tills jangling. Of course. For the kindness you're showing on Christmas Eve. I know James is a fireman as well. So, James so th- is. Thanks to him for that. We will, of course. For that yeah. service. And obviously uh, he couldn't come on today because he's actually just got a call out. So Oh, really? He okay. did. He got a call out. Okay. And Adrian, <laughs> Adrian, Adrian ended I, you in it. But we'll he, forgive, he did. <laughs> you'll forgive him for that. I will. I All will right. forgive him for that. Listen, lovely talking to you. It's a fabulous idea. It's a beautiful idea. 31 okay. Pierce Street, Clonakilty. And uh, right. they're... Christmas Eve takeaway free Christmas dinner for anyone who needs it thank you Jessica where are we going now oh Christmas trees I was mentioning have you got them up yet it's two weeks out we've got two up and two to go including the big one we have to organise that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.